Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max, and joining me here in the booth is Gideon. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about two uh, two kind of sci-fi films. Hot um, and cold sci-fi. Yeah, well, Two extremes of, spe- of the spectrum. Yeah, um, so I don't know which one you want to talk about first, but let's, let's tell the audience here. We're going to be the talking desert. about the brand new Dune. Uh, that is in theaters presently. And then we are also going to be talking about the, I believe it was what, 1988? Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing? Um, uh, 1982. I'm sorry, 1982. I knew that the movie took place in 1982, but I thought I thought I saw 1988 somewhere. But you're, okay, so even better. Uh, so yeah, two very, very different uh, films, but also very... Uh, elemental. Elemental, yeah. Absolutely right. Uh which would you like to talk about first? I want to talk about Dune first, uh, just because it's 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 newer and fresher, and we can. I think I might have more to say about Dune, honestly. I do too, um, personally. Yeah, and and I just want to start out and say that I liked both of these films. Um, yeah, I, so do I. Yeah, I I enjoyed them. I went into Dune thinking I wouldn't like it as much as I did. Like I kind of went in with zero expectations. Like the first yeah. Dune. I mean, that's what I, I mean. Me personally, I try to go in with zero expectations. For that's just how I work. I just try not to have expectations. But go well, ahead. I I I usually watch the all the trailers leading up to the film, yeah. unless it's a comedy, because I've I've kind of like I'll watch one trailer for a comedy, but then if I don't like it from that, I won't because I don't want to spoil any more jokes than I have yeah. to. Um, but. With this, I watched one trailer, and I was like, okay, so it's based off this movie I'd vaguely heard about but never really seen anything of from um, 1984, and it just was like, okay, I don't know what's happening with this, and it didn't seem to interest me that much, and I was kind of just not looking forward to it. But uh, I watched it on HBO Max, and I kind of regret that. I wish I had gone and saw it in the ultra screen, mm-hmm. and now I actually want to go see it a second time uh, in the ultra screen because it was such a visual spectacle in so much of this movie. And I was like really hyped after only a few minutes. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, this is just awesome. And oh man, there's so much I liked about how this movie does, how how this movie executes and not just visual, but also their their world building and exposition, especially. I'm glad you said world building because yeah, they do the perfect ratio of exposition exposition where they don't yeah. over explain anything they just trust the audience to just either mm-hmm. just assume whatever about it and just move on and just understand that this is important this is yeah. this and, and they don't go into too much detail about anything but just enough and where oh yeah. man it's kind of hard to explain and that's and i've read the book so i know all of this stuff the thing that i was worried about um is in terms of like bias um, I wasn't sure if I'm like understanding what's going on only because I've read the book and that if like other things, other things are going to go over people's head, but it seems like, uh, just from people's responses to this, who have said they haven't read the book, it, they're generally picking up on what's going on. Um, and I think, and I think the film is good at that. If anything, I think the film doesn't, doesn't tell enough. Um, just in terms of like, you're adapting something cinematically. So you're not, you're obviously going to be working with a different set of rules in terms of the medium. Um, and you're going to be uh, adhering to a different standard and you're going to need to do things differently and you're not going to include all of the the political uh, back and forth and all of the the rules and stuff like that that's happening in the book and and the deeper character development. And that's fine. Um, there were just a couple points where I was like, I wish this had been in the movie. 
um, just certain things and details. Um, but otherwise, I mean, as an experience, I, I, there's nothing, there's, this is like Denis Villeneuve is just working. I mean, he did, he did this with Blade Runner 2049. He did this with Arrival, even with Sicario. Um, like he just, he's really good at creating immersive and at times poetic worlds. Um, I mean, I think the source material in some ways holds this back from being as poetic as something like Arrival. Um, I think I think Arrival is more poetic than this, and I think part of that might honestly be his his reverence for the source material, where he's not really, he never really makes any choices in adapting this. There's no big swings necessarily in terms of changing the source material for the screen, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's not it's not a flaw. I'm just saying. Um, with Arrival, compare that to its source material, and Arrival's there are definitely just a short story, right? Arrival is just, like just a, a yeah, it's a, it's a it's a yeah short story. I actually have the 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 collection that it's in. Ooh, I'd um, love to read it. And I've read a couple of the stories. I've read parts of Arrival, but how many? It's like it's like re, like it's like, like seventy pages, pages seventy oh. pages. It's 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 a little it's it's a little bit more substantial, but but you can see him and screenwriter. I think Eric Hessier is his name. They they change the source material big time for the screen like you can you can see clear choices that they're making and and that are adhering it to the medium whereas this it's so weird because like he's he's making choices in terms of taking stuff out not so much in again it's like i, I i'm not i'm not judging the movie. i'm just trying to explain what kind of how the ad adaptation looks in terms of how it's different from from the novel um, but again, as ter in terms of a cinematic experience, in terms of big sound, in terms of big actors, in terms of, of big images and, and the collision, like, like the, you know, CG images with, with practical sets and stuff like that, like all of it's, it's flawless. Like, it's just yeah. great stuff. Yeah. I really like, couldn't you tell go to the where theater it was. And you're, yeah. I couldn't tell immersed. where the real set ended and the, and the kind of green screen or whatever they're using beyond that and the visual effects like began. Like this was... I, I thought this was fantastic. Yeah, and like I'm, set extent. I think set like set extensions. I don't know if that's what's going on here, but it feels like so, like so, in some ways, like like when you got those big, uh, like the uh, when they go down to Arrakis and they've got those big buildings and then you see them like go off into the distance and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like it feels like there's stuff that's real and then they extend it backwards or something like that. And then like just the big groups of people. Like I'm, I'm glad you brought up tw uh, like just big, big everything in this movie. Yeah, and I mean, I wonder how big like that ship is that's like transporting like all the these tube thing. Yeah, the, yeah, the, that the, thing the was cool. I, I mean, did not. It almost looks like it's like moon sized almost or something. Yeah, I, mean, I did not huge. remember that from the book. Um, um but or at least not like I, the visual. I love the design of that. That was just kind of cool. Like something about yeah. it was just very pleasing. But um, I'm glad you brought up Blade Runner 2049 because I got a lot of vibes from that yeah. uh, in, I mean at least looking at like the building that is on Arrakis that um, his, the main character's the, like family kind of takes yeah I think it's over. called Arakeen yeah is the but didn't that building kind the, of look yeah. like the, the pyramid type building from the city uh, from Blade Runner yeah <laughs> I mean I always felt like I, like I was watching I'm like oh it's kind of kind of vibing like that but I just saw it there was so much Everything visually in this movie was fantastic. I thought the costume yeah. design was great. I thought the the music was cool. I thought the the set design was awesome. Well, I mean, Just and all this stuff gives you a sense of the world. Yeah, like 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 the 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 little the what's it called? Like the thing that they oh, on top of the the Benny Gesserit uh, mother. What's her name? The not Jessica, but the other one. When he goes and puts his hand in the box, and she's got like this mm -hmm. this veil priestess, over her face. Yeah. Um, and, she, and like that, and it feels very ancient 
Um, and the whole world feels ancient. It's like, it, and this is what the book does, and this is, and the, he he adapts this so well. It's got it's it's set in the future, but because of the way technology has progressed, um, like AI is outlawed. Like AI is like because of the, it's like it, there's like I didn't know whole, there's like whole things in the book like about how AI is like evil and stuff like that, and mm. so they don't allow it. Um, and and the shield gener and the shield personal shields that they've created, um, which is why there's not many guns. Most of them are using knives and stuff like that because yeah. of the shield technology. So like all of this stuff that has progressed to a certain extent. So like it's weird because technology has progressed so that far that you're going backwards and using more ancient forms like like knives and stuff like that. But um, then also that like. And the projectile weapons like slow themselves down as they, they ha well they have to they have yeah. to slow themselves down because otherwise they can't and so the way the shields work is that if it's you based off of like kinetic energy and like, you can't if it goes too fast the it bounces off the shield yeah so like when you're so this they, they kind of get this right they kind of like there's when Duncan's fighting you he kind of feels not like this but if you hit, swing the knife too fast. It, it won't go in the shield. The only way yeah. to beat the person is by Getting it slowing it slowing it down enough that it'll actually go, enter enter the shield. And so there's parts where Duncan's fighting where he's just slashing. He's like, okay, that's not really probably how it would work. But yeah. but so it's, it's tough in terms of visualizing that. But that's what happens at the end with with Paul. I'm not going to go into spoilers, but in the book, um, you you they explicitly tell you this. But the thing is, you get a sense of what they explicitly tell you in the book in the movie. So like mm -hmm. what Paul does is because they're not using shields, Paul is at a disadvantage because he's so used to fighting shields and you fight differently with shields than you do without shields. Yeah. Um, and you get that sense from the movie even though they're not explaining any of that to you. Yeah. And I, I just want to say if anybody still doesn't really understand how the shields work, imagine like Oblek, like the that weird like slime that the more energy you put into it, the more solid it is. But if you go in slowly, then it's just like a liquid. Mm. It's it's like the, ener it's like the energy form of that. Sure. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, there's just so much uh, to unpack with this movie. And we can't go into to the details of the story too much, even though I, I don't know if the 1984 movie kind of tells the, the same story. I have story not seen in the, the 84 way. movie. So so I won't, in, just in case it's a, it's different, which from a little bit I saw, it it seemed like it was Well, the 84 different. movie goes through the entire story as far as I'm aware. This is only oh, the first half of the yeah. story. And I'm happy they're taking their time with this because this definitely felt like... So it needed to be a little more fleshed out. I'm happy that's, that this that's is... the thing. I'm so happy that they're taking their time with it and like actually allowing scenes to feel full. Yeah. The problem that I have with that is when it comes to the end of this movie, it's just very abrupt. Um, and it and it and it feels like we cut black without any real final care. Like people have compared this to Fellowship of the Ring. I compare it in more the sense to like that Golden Compass. Fellowship of the Ring. Well. In the sense that Fellowship of the Ring is is different in that you actually have a final sense of emotion in Fellowship of the Ring. There's a beginning, middle, and end. Whereas here it feels like a beginning and then like middle, a, kind of. the, the middle the, of the a barrel, middle. The barely the start of the middle. Yeah. So like basically I think the beginning of the story is like the, is them arriving the dune and then the middle is him kind of uh, is him is Paul being uh, associated with the Fremen. Um I'm trying to dance around spoilers, but that's not that's not well, giving away too much. I mean, he's, we can, he we can, can say a little bit. So like, so he's he, he's so part be, of a royal but family. That, that just is, that's the end. The end yeah. is him first meeting the Fremen. Not, or kind of yeah, just beginning and, his journey with. But it's like the beginning of the middle of the bigger story. It's just yeah. a weird place to end it. Yeah. So especially since I won't go into, into details, but the book ends at a different place. So like, what happens at the end? The very the, like you know what I'm in in the fight that happens later. Like huh. there's so a it's kind of it doesn't happen in the desert. Hmm. Okay, 
So we won't so get, just, we won't we yeah. don't want to go any further than yeah. what you're already saying because we'll we'll leave that out. But um, for for this story, just briefly, so. Um, oh, yeah. What is this? What is this house? We just what jumped this, right in. Well, what is this house called? Yeah, house Atreides. Okay, so Atreides is like essentially it's called an by the emperor to yeah. go down to yeah Arrakis. Well, hold on, a little bit of world building. So it seems like I don't know what's going on with Earth. Probably nobody's there anymore. Humans have spread out and colonized worlds, and it seems like things have kind of gone back to like medieval fiefdoms a little bit and stuff like that and there's an emperor and then you have like people royal families who kind of control their own planets and they answer to this emperor and there was this one group that that controlled arrakis for 80 years and they became extremely rich because of the this this mineral that's that's apparently only on this one planet and yep. nobody can replicate it so Whoever controls this one spice. planet, yeah, is it what is the spice called? Melange, spice melange, yeah, yeah. South Park made some jokes with, about that, and I never realized it was a reference to anything. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was like a weird South Park thing, but it was like uh, it had to do with Tom Brady, and it was really dumb. But um, so yeah, so this this one group becomes really powerful and they're there for 80 years and they get rich and then they're told by the emperor empire to leave and then now uh house atreides is now the next one sent there to continue the operation and that's where paul our main character his father is the head of house atreides and uh and they're essentially now this royalty of this new planet and are going to be there for the foreseeable future becoming more powerful than they have ever been before, and this is a huge opportunity for them. And then the uh, other, other groups ain't about that. Yeah, other groups uh, don't want that. So that's where I'm going to leave it. Still and in Scar's garden is disgusting black goop. Yeah, <laughs> the oil <laughs> that he's bathing yeah. in. It's just it's like nah, nah. That's just vinaigrette. <laughs> just <laughs> but yeah, uh, and it took me a while to figure out who who he was because he's in this big fat suit and yeah. But then I was like, oh, that's a dude from Thor. Like, okay, yeah. all right, yeah. That's the only movie apparently I know that guy from. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so really solid though. I, I Again, just incredible visuals throughout this movie. Uh, who's the cinematographer? I want to like give shout outs to whoever um, I know Hans Zimmer was, did the Yeah, Hans the Zimmer music. did the music and that's great stuff. Yeah, um, cinematography was, was by Greg Frazier. Greg, um, who great did job. Rogue One, Zero Dark Thirty. I was getting Rogue Lion. One vibes, dude. Yeah, he's gonna do the sense. Batman actually. That okay, so that makes a lot of sense because I was definitely getting some Rogue One vibes from certain shots. Uh, like it's like I felt like I was looking. I at, think he uh, does really well a scale, honestly. Like I feel like Rogue One has one of the best senses of scale in in the entire Star Wars yeah. universe in terms of like how how like Rogue One really makes you feel like 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 a like a Star, Star Destroyer. Like you actually feel like holy crap, that thing is huge. Or the Death Star, the fact um, that it like eclipses the, the sun over yeah. Scarif for like just or no, it's not Scarif over Jakku. Was it no? It wasn't Jakku. No, it's not Jakku because no, Jakku's no, no. Not. What was the planet they were on? The that desert one where the Oh, I can't remember where they were getting the crystals. Darn oh, it. Oh, yeah, the one where, uh, um, where, what's his name is on? My mind's blanking. Yeah. So, um, anyways, the way that they just did all that, you're absolutely right. There is that he definitely has a great sense of scale. Um, but just every shot was just beautiful. Like, I wanted to, like, get some stills of this movie and just, like, frame them because <laughs> some of these are so cool. 
like when they're in the um, courtyard with the palm trees. I just thought that looked really good, and just everything was just fantastic. I was yeah. I, was I loved it. I loved the scene where him and Jessica are talking, and there's like all the the wind blowing all around them, and you can hardly see their face, and they're like twenty feet apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. Fantastic. Like just stuff like that where you're where, where he's finding different ways to to frame typical things that you'd frame in just regular conversation, but he's he's framing them in a different way. Um using the environment. I just love that kind of stuff. Also, I love the formal wear of House Atreides. Like yeah. like when him and his father are kind of hanging around the the family cemetery. Oh my gosh, it's just just incredible what Everything they got on, it just yeah, it's awesome. Cool yeah. leather jackets. I was like, I want that outfit, but I know I wouldn't look as good as uh, as what's his name in it. Uh, as Stephen McKinley Henderson, because he plays Hawat. He looks <laughs> yeah. big fan of him. Uh, but all right, I we wish there start... was more of him in this movie. Yeah, do you want to start getting into scores here? Yeah, uh, first category is first impression. First impression, I was blown away. I was not expecting to like this movie as much as I did. I. I'm super excited for the second one. Mm -hmm. Cannot wait to see it. I hope they've just like kind of just didn't even stop filming. They just were like, this is where we're ending this and send a team off to finish it. Well, they did. And that's everyone's kind of confused about that. I mean, I know Um, that they did like the Pirates movies kind of. Right. And they did that with Lord of the Rings as well, where they did Lord of the, I mean, Lord of the, Pirates of the Caribbean, they did two and three. Lord of the Rings, they did all three simultaneously. This one, they stopped and waited for the green light until just now. Literally earlier today, they they did the green light, which I think everyone's kind of like, it would have made more sense to do this. Well, they it seemed um, like they were back leading to back. into it. Like yeah, it was, and it, and the story structure especially feels like it should have been filmed back to back. Like it just seems like a really odd. And then like and then Dune as a result, it's gonna, the, the, yeah, exactly. And then and then as a result of that, it's we're gonna wait two more years instead of one, like we would have for Pirates of the Caribbean and and Lord of the Rings, um, and The Hobbit for that matter. But like again, it's just it is what it is. But it doesn't really make sense to me. I don't. They, there's probably some financial thing going on there. I don't well, know. I think they're doing well, uh, at least in the box. You know, they office. are doing well enough because they they today they just greenlit part two. Yeah. Um. So they're doing well. It's just, I wish they would have just already been filming part two. Yeah. And though at the same time, and in terms of marketing too, just like market this as part one. Say part two is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I'm not sure what the strategy was, but whatever. But I'm I am happy that there's more to come with this because oh I, definitely and I think the first I think the second half has a lot in store that that's more interesting than what they did here in terms of story yeah. and also just everybody in this movie is like peaking right now in their Hollywood success like Chalamet yeah. and and uh, Batista and like all these people are just like getting all yeah, these yeah they big got movies they got the stars Rebecca Ferguson is great, doing incredible work here yeah um, Jason Momoa probably in his best. I, I think is I is like playing him. cool dude, which he's good at doing. <laughs> yeah, but I, I thought he was better than his usual one here. I mean, compared maybe to Game of Thrones, maybe he does a little better as Cal Drago, but I don't know. Uh anyways, yeah, first impression definitely I would say a nine. I I'm so excited for more from this. Um, I give this a seven. I again I'm I, I really enjoyed this thoroughly from start to finish. Um there's just like little things that I have in terms of like story and, and, you know, quality just, again, I do need to see this again. I feel like I, I'll, I might change my either score or impression or whatever you want to call it. Um, but there's just things about this where it's like, it's not as good as it could have been. And I don't know if that's cause I read the book or if it's like, like, it just feels like there's a lack of content 
in some or, or substance in some ways. Like the spectacle is all there. Um, the substance in terms of like what who Paul is, understanding him as a character, understanding what his character means, um, and then the more complicated interactions between the houses and stuff like that. Like I just felt like some of the substance. And again, I, this, this is going back to adaptation. Um, the substance of the book is lost, which is always going to happen to a certain extent. But it feels like uh, Villeneuve and the screenwriters sacrificed some of the of the content where they didn't need to. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not making a final judgment in any in any way. That's just what I got off the off the first viewing. Even though I had a fantastic time. You watched it in theaters, right? Yeah. On super screen or? Yeah, I went down to Madison and saw it in the ultra screen. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm jealous of you, but I'm going to try to go see it again yeah. that way. Uh, I think they're doing that around here. Uh, okay, so seven for you, first impression, nine for me. Uh, next category. Story. Story, I thought, was really well done. I hope that they, like, knowing now that they're for sure going to have a second one, like, I almost had no doubt in my mind that they would just because of how heavily they leaned into this is a part one. I mean, they literally say, like, part one or chapter one or something like that in the yeah, opening with the opening, the opening title, title of this. So, I mean, I right off the bat, I was like, okay, so even if they don't do everything here, the next one's got it. Or maybe the third one. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if they were going to do two or three. I Seems think that, like two. I think what Villeneuve said is that the rest of the first book will be finished in part two, but he wants to adapt the second book, which is called Dune Messiah into a part three. Okay. So, cool. um, so I, However, that ends up playing out. Well, even if I just get a second one and it has a decent resolution, I'm happy. Right. Um, and because knowing that it was leading into a second one that is now for sure going to happen, uh, I feel a lot better about how it ended. So that issue is kind of resolved. Uh, I also just love how, like I said, how they didn't coddle you with any of the stuff. I didn't know what anything was. I didn't even really catch what the name of the spice was. Until I had watched... I mean, they generally just refer to it as spice. This, in this one, but in the old one, they actually say, like, the spice melange a lot oh. more. I and mean, in, in the book, they don't... They they mention it's called... Or they say spice melange, but most of the time, they just call it the spice. Yeah. In the 84 movie, they, like, literally say it, like, right off the bat. And so I didn't even catch what the full name of it was. Um for a while, but I also just was like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in for it. I don't understand everything, but that's okay. Yeah. Just show, like right. show, don't yeah, tell yeah. kind of thing. And they, they did the perfect amount of exposition and showing that, that is, is absolutely what I love. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what everybody's saying. Like, it's just, it's just kind of astonishing what they're doing in terms of exposition. Yeah. I like, and, and, every, and like, and, and, and in terms of like broader audience, everyone's kind of like vibing with the world, which is, I yeah. think, I think regardless of my shortcomings, I think that's really cool mm -hmm. is that like the broader population is coming to love this world, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. So for story, I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it's like the greatest story or I've ever, you know, seen, but I still like it a lot and I can appreciate what they did and I have no real issues with it. I just don't know if it's like, yeah. I, I was, I still wasn't like, oh my God, like I need to go like write a fan fiction in the Dune universe. Like I wasn't like that. It was, you know, that kind of thing. Like that's usually what a 10 would be is if I feel so enthralled with it that I need to like go write myself and, and make something that pertains to it. So yeah, still really solid though. What about you? Um, I'm going to give this a seven. Again, world building is flawless. That part of it is is there. Um, the actual machinations of the plot and and character stuff, um, I did I did feel was lacking on this viewing. Um, like Hawat especially, 
uh, I really missed. I mean, and, and I've seen Van Lu say in interviews that he's he's uh, go, he wants to go into the Mentat world more in, in the second part. Um, Mentat is what Hawat is. He's like a human computer, basically. Um, you don't really get that at all from this movie, is that, unfortunately. Is that the dude who's like the advisor. Yeah, so he's the advisor, but he's the advisor because he's got like this superhuman. Uh, Thinking uh, logic ability, and then and then so Paul, like Lobot. and then Paul eventually starts to have that mentat capabilities as well in terms mm. of like extreme logic and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, um, I forgot to mention Paul kind of has a superpower a little bit. Like he's the Messiah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but you <laughs> so, talked about the priest lady. Like, there's like a group of people who are apparently like right. So the be, the be, we haven't talked about this at all, and, but the, I think the movie actually does a really good job of portraying this part of the story. Yeah. This is the part of the story I think that this movie portrays the best. Um, is Paul's journey in terms of like how he relates to the Benny Gesserit, um, like how the spice affects him specifically, um, and his uh, viewings of the future and the holy war that's coming, um, and his role in the holy war. Um, they call it jihad in the book. Um, yeah, and, I just heard that. Um, and this was talking about yeah, that. and then and then they, and then his his. Benny Gesserit powers with the voice and stuff like that. I love that scene where he first tries to use the voice. That's like I feel like that was the 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 straight out of the book. Um, what happened there, and I feel like the progression of that actually like accomplishes a lot of the complex the complexity that the book has and does it legibly for the screen. I love that so much. Um, but again, some of the other stuff like with Hawat, Doctor Yue especially. I was very, that's probably my biggest flaw is him because he plays such a huge role in what happens in the first half of this story. And then when he just doesn't really get any development and he kind of pops out of nowhere to do what he does, mm-hmm. I, I was just like, it feels like there needs to be some more development there. And just to, just to make that feel satisfying. Um, and it's not played, it's, it's supposed, I feel like it's supposed to be some, like, it's not played as a surprise, really. It's just kind of like comes out, of, comes out of nowhere. Um, and I mean, and so when I saw it again, this is a moment where like, I know exactly what he's, his deal is. Cause I've read the book, but I don't think other people will. And like other people are gonna be like, wait, who is this guy? Why is he doing this? What's the deal? What? And then, but the implications of that are huge for the rest of the story. So I'm surprised that that hasn't buckled the, the entire story underneath it, but it, apparently people are fine with it. I didn't have any issue. Yeah, I was like, all right, it made sense why he did it, what he did, and I was like, okay, I believe yeah. it. I don't, I don't I think these guys are above that, and I don't think, I, I think he's making the decisions. He but then does. there's there, like there's the before and after that, so there's like a whole bunch of stuff that happens after that, like with Jessica. I mean, I don't really want to say what happens because uh, yeah, let's not, let's, let's um, just. But but again, th- that part was the part that I was where I felt the story was the weakest. It's just like I wanted more development in terms of his that, well, his character and that and that. You know, and wh- how he affects the... the I'm not story. talking about... We're say what it is, but that thing, that I wanted more from that. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Paul's journey was is fine. It's great. Also, yeah. Timothy Chalamet, awesome. He did yeah. a great job, and I'm, I'm totally behind it. And he's, he's like... No, I'm down it. with him. I mean, you can he's make fun of him as like, the... He looks like the guy from the 84 one, too, a little bit. Like, they did a great job, like, recasting Paul, you know, after all this time. And well, I mean, probably because <laughs> the book describes him. Um. Yeah. James Bond doesn't look exactly like. Yeah, I mean, James Bond, it, as the books are describing, he kind of looks more like a Superman with a star over his eye. I think one of my favorite Timothy Chalamet role is probably Little Women. Honestly, I, I like him in uh, in The King. Yeah, 
He's really good in that. But this might be my new favorite of his because I really like his character. In this. No, I do think I think I might. Little Women is probably my favorite because he's in like he's has a bit role in Interstellar, Lady Bird, Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, yeah he wasn't. I saw that. Yeah, that was weird. I didn't realize he was in Lady. But Bird. I, I mean, Laurie and Lady Bird is just like that's he's perfect for that. All right. So yeah. Um, uh, seven's my score for story acting. I mean, we're already kind of talking about acting. So yeah, good transition there. Um. Everything was top-notch. I don't have an issue with anybody. Usually I'm not a big fan of Jason Momoa because, you know, after he did Aquaman, it kind of brought the prestige of him down. And also I just don't like all these people who are, like, wrestlers. Oh, I, like, like, I like him I don't as like, Aquaman. I don't like the, a lot of WWE guys who are trying to break into, like, actual acting. Is, was he a WWE guy? I believe Jason Momoa was. And same with Batista. I, I know Batista was. I don't think Jason Momoa was, though. I'm pretty sure he is. I might be wrong, but... I, I am almost certain he was. So it's just, it seems like that, I mean, not to say that their acting isn't actually like kind of oddly soap opery and deep in the WWE because there's so much that happens with that. But uh, I don't know. It's just seeing where these guys are coming from. Like I still can't see Batista without thinking of Guardians of the Galaxy. I still can't see Momoa without thinking of Aquaman now. So it kind of ruins those guys, but everybody I, else, yeah, I, I, I was 100% behind. I thought, um, oh, what's his name? Dude who plays Thanos. Uh, <laughs> Josh Brolin? Josh Brolin. I thought he was fantastic in this. I thought he was like the perfect casting choice for that general. or Gurney Halleck? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. His I, character, like, I love where his character goes. I was like, dude, this this guy, this is literally, there There was no better choice. Like, I was kind of getting the same vibe as the 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 commander from uh, Avatar from 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 Brolin in this. but uh, No, he's way more complex than that character. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, like, I would love to see those two, like, duke it out because I feel like that'd be fun to watch and, like, just, I don't know. I, I just was liking that and I got great vibes yeah, from Josh I think, Brolin. I think Javier Bardem might be the best role in the film. Um, he plays Stilgar um, and he's introduced early and he's kind of like the first look into the Fremen and kind of like as their leader and kind of be like, oh, this, this is what they're all about. And he and he, he comes in and kind of gives a vibe for what's going on there. And then at the end, too, mm -hmm. um, you get a good sense from him. Zendaya, I mean, people are commenting on how she's uh, quote-unquote underutilized. I knew she was going to be because I was like, how are they going to fit her in? She's only in the... She's well, they just not kept, in the story. Well, they just, they just keep using her as, 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 as uh, flash-forwards. Yeah, I was just about to say, um, they just kept using her in flashbacks, and that's it. That, I mean, 15 yeah. minutes of this movie is just, like, slow-mo shots of her face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson, also in Lady Bird. Um, again, I loved him as Hawat. I wanted more of him. I'll take, I'll, I would have seen, I'll take any amount of screen time from him. Um, again, all, again, performances across the board. Just, it's Fantastic. just stellar. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I mean, I, Dave Bautista, I, I was going to say earlier, my favorite role from him, I think, is uh, 2049. Uh, his role at the beginning, yeah. like he, he does not yeah. have that much screen time here. I don't think, like hardly any. Uh, probably, I'd say it's probably equal as 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 uh, as Raven. But again, twenty forty nine, he has just about as much screen time as he does here, and does more with it. I think, you're like his character has so much depth in a single scene. You tell me that your favorite one isn't that kids movie where he's like a CIA guy, and <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> what movie is that? I, I think it's like My Spy or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Like, oh my God. I saw the trailer, so that I, I was cringing so hard. I was like, let's, let's just yeah, get I to did, Greg Marcus like, so I can not just watch the movie. That. You know? <laughs> yes. Gotta get to Greg. Oh yeah, let's gosh. just get, And then you just gotta get past him. And again, the reason AMC is better is because you don't have because to watch Greg Marcus. <laughs> yeah. And they do better popcorn. But. Again, we need more. We need more movie theater diversity in this area. That's for darn sure. But, yeah. Uh, 
it's not a very competitive market. Yeah. It needs <laughs> not, to be. Not this part of Wisconsin, that's for sure. Um, I'll give acting an eight. I, I agree. I agree. All right. Look and feel. Ten. Visually, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. And there's so much that goes into it. I'm not a big fan of Hans Zimmer, but I think he his, really? his I'm not. I think half the time he has his friends do the bulk of the work and then he takes the main credit for it. Um, <laughs> and then... I mean, he does have a lot of collaboration scores like on 2049 yeah, but and uh, a lot Batman of times it's mostly the people he's working with. I, mean, I, he I suppose does, now that you say that, I do realize he has done a lot of collaboration scores, but I don't, but there are, I mean, when he does by, like, I think there are some times when he does not by himself, but I, but seeing how many collaborations he has and, and I've seen like documentaries into the people who've worked with him and like how much they've actually contributed, it made me lose a lot of respect for him as an individual maker because then a lot of his big scores are you know, piggybacking, it seemed, off of other people. I don't know. So I, for, I, I don't know. That's just my take on yeah. him. But I still think his score in this was really good, whether uh, how much how much of it he made, probably most of it, uh, still really solid. He's the only credited one. Yeah. It's not like 2049 where it's him and uh, Wall Fish, I think it's the other guy's name. Yeah. But, again, really good score. Probably the best costume design I've ever seen in a film. Actually, I will just go out and say the best costume design I've ever seen in a film. Uh some of the best visuals I've ever seen in terms of cinematography and set design and all of that. So I was 100% for this movie. I thought you nailed it talking about scale. And yeah, I was going to say, I, I keep on coming back to scale more than anything else. I mean, cinematography is great. Score is great. But I think just scale, it's like, it's it's it's, it's up there. Yeah. And there, and in terms the, of communicating the fact that it, as, as an you, epic. I mean, there's there's other epics that, that communicate it as well or better. I mean, I think of something like uh, Ron or Ben-Hur or or any of these other classic epics. If you want to talk about scale, then Fall of um, the Roman Empire as uh, one of the long... It's a very yeah. long shot, and it literally, you watch like a parade of people. I mean, there must have been thousands of extras in like one shot here. It's just yeah, a parade. Just, just, just big going, extras. And, and it's like, and oh I my think God, this, this is one I, I don't think this ter- communicates that in terms of extras. I mean, you, you get extras here, you don't get that type of scale. Like like the, the scene in Ron where you've got all the people charging the castle with just a flag. Like, it's just insane uh, the amount of, of work. Or even even earlier in Hidden Fortress, he did that too. when they do the um, running. Yeah, uh, like even, yeah, something like that. This is, in terms of extras, this is not doing that. It is doing that in terms of like buildings and and planets and spaceships and stuff like that, where it's just yeah. like dang. And you feel the weight to everything that's there, and these these ships are huge, and the way that they do sound design, like the not necessarily horns, but like the the bagpipes, bro. The bagpipes are cool, but I'm no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like with the ships when they're all leaving. Uh, uh, what's Atreides's uh, home planet? What is that? Uh, Caladan. Caladan. When they're leaving Caladan and the ships are coming out of the water and you hear like yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the horns to, yeah. to to just be like the announcement that they're leaving and, and it's coming from those ships. That was really cool sound design that just stood out and I remember it. And it's So yeah, 10, 10 out of 10 for that. For um, sure. I'm going to go 9 out of 10 for this. Again, it's 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 great. Um, it's not quite to the perfect level. Um there's, but I mean, like again, perfect is like magic. You didn't like that little close-up shot of the desert mouse, and he. Gets the I sweat love the. And... Okay, so the desert mouse is called is called. That's actually like a, a whole thing, and this is something that you kind of have to have the book for. But the desert mouse is called, uh, I think it's like Muad'Dib, and that's what he. That's what Paul ends up taking as as a name, uh, as like his mm. his his fremen name. Hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah, I, I love the concept of everybody just, like, recycling moisture as best they can. Like, even the animals do it. Like, he's sweating out the ears right. and he just yeah. takes it and just goes. Right, and, and just, that's, again, cool. like, you, you get all of that. It's an image. You don't have to. Like, say, you don't have to have someone say. So the mouse. See, watch him. He takes his, and then have someone in one of the fremen come up and say, "Okay, see that mouse? Look what he's doing. He's gonna take his thing, and then he's yeah. gonna drink it. And he's like, There's it's no perfect. And this is how we work. This is how we work the still suits. Like no one does that. Yep. As you watch it, and you're like, oh, I know what's going on. Moving on. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. See again, it's it's perfect. It's the perfect ratio, I think. With and they don't the have to explain that. I mean, they pro they probably will actually go into this in part two, but they don't have to explain that Muad'Dib is what it's called. Mm. Okay. Um, uh, so next category then? Uh, I think final category is experience. experience. Uh, the experience just in my house, watching it on my regular TV with no surround sound and no yeah. decent lighting around me. Uh, I still had a great time. I cannot wait to see this in, in, yeah. in the theater because I'm definitely going to go see this a second time and not many movies get that from me where I go and actually see them again in theaters. Um, so... I would say the experience was definitely a 9 out of 10. Probably not as good as, like, when I first saw Golden Compass, even though I know that movie isn't as good as this. Um, but that universe had me so yeah. into it, I was hooked. Um, but, yeah, 9 out of um, 10. I'm going to give this an 8. I had a good time. Again, there's some of those more, like, viscerally in terms of, like, my seat going, like, that's always fun. <laughs> Yeah, when, like when the bass is so loud that you're literally shaking, like that's cool. Um, there's no, there's no doubt about it. That's part about um, Dunkirk, man. Those, those it, dive right, sirens. Well, yeah, the Dunkirk Blade Runner 2049, like all these things, where it's like unless you're in the theater, you're not gonna feel your seat shake. Um, but in terms of the more uh, uh, emotional or intellectual parts of the experience. Um, it, it did feel lacking to me because of those story things I mentioned earlier. Like I'm not feeling the holy crap, what just happened uh, story-wise. It's more, holy crap, what just happened, that ship is so heckin' huge. Uh, <laughs> which is, again, a, a more gut thing than it is a, a head thing or heart thing. <laughs> the way you described it, that's just funny. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. But all right, uh, where, before we get on to the thing here, what's our? do we have our final score tallied? Yeah, final score is an 83 out of 100. Oh, um, man, I was hoping we would get an 84. Just so it would be... Which will put it at the same score as Unbreakable and Marriage Story. All right. Fair company there, yeah. for sure. Very different types of fil films, but uh, good. Where, where does Blade Runner uh, 2049 stack up? Blade Runner's at the top for us. Okay. Um, I think we gave it like a 96 or something stupidly high. It's not so. stupidly high. It was well, a great stupidly, film. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm not saying... I'm sorry, I meant, yeah. I meant in the sense like it's Ex just... Exceedingly at the, at the high, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, then when we come back here, we are going to be talking about 1982's The Thing. So stick around. Story News in Washington. I'm Simon Marks. The Queen will not participate in the COP26 climate summit in person, but will deliver a video message instead. U.S. President Joe Biden has announced more than $100 million to support Southeast Asia in the face of growing Chinese influence. And the Russian capital, Moscow, is to tighten COVID-19 restrictions after the country recorded more than 1,000 deaths in 24 hours. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. Gideon and I are about to review 1982's The Thing by John Carpenter. Uh, Gideon, have you ever seen this movie before? I have. I have um, not. 
And I was I was not the hugest fan on it the first time. I I, I enjoyed it, um, and I thought I was like, oh, good movie. I was not like, dang, best horror movie of all time level. Um, I'm not, I'm I'm close to that now though. Like this really? thing, this thing is great. You think it's one of the best horror movies of all time? I mean, it's up there. I don't even consider it that much of a horror movie. I thought of it definitely more just straight sci-fi. Um, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's in that scary, genre. I mean, you like, get the you get the uh, slow elimination of characters. You get the the disgusting nature of the creature effects and stuff like that. The mounting paranoia and dread, especially. That's true. I mean, it does have definitely like, those in, in terms of par- paranoia and dread, this does this, and that's what that's the the biggest draw for this. Paranoia and dread, it does better than just about any movie you'll ever ever watch. Um, if you just like feel in terms of feeling like I have no idea who is what, what to trust, what is real, um, and just that sense of like absolute being lost and like confused, like it captures that so well. Um, and to the point, and then and then add on to that the creature effects. Yeah. Um, and it's just like so. Trivia question for you: Who's the first uh, casualty in this film? Um, I think it was. Hold on before you answer. I mean, we the talked dogs. About, we talked. No, we talked about it before the episode. Did we? Yeah. The chess computer. Oh. <laughs> the first casualty. <laughs> I still, I still find that super funny that he just straight up just loses in chess, pours a drink into it, and like, great. Now for the next three months, nobody there can play any chess against the computer. Like, <laughs> yes. But no, I. Yeah, let's. If somebody hasn't seen this film, let's give them a quick synopsis. Um. Uh, Given that yeah, you're you're in Antarctica, you're doing a research team, and then all of a sudden these uh, these Swedes, Norwegians, Norwegians, I say Swedes because that's what uh, that's what McCready calls, calls them every calls time. Them. Yeah, yeah, the Norwegians uh, these Swedes are, show up. The Norwegians show up trying uh, to chasing kill a this dog. dog. Yeah, I don't know what Balto did <laughs> like, to annoy him. That's such a but... great opening though, because you're just you're along with everybody else. Like, what the heck is happening? Why, like, why is this why dog are they just flying a helicopter yeah. trying to shoot a dog? Like, why? Um, and so you're along with the rest of of the crew, um, and then they start shooting at them. So obviously they kill the Norwegians. Um, and then they kind of start investigating and find out that well, there's this... Well, one of the Norwegians uh, kills himself by accident. He tosses a grenade and then he, he's like, oh, God, it, you know... It, yeah, right, and then the other and guy starts shooting and then they shoot and then the, and then the, the what, do you, what do you want to call him, captain or the the marshal or... Yeah. He's yeah. kind of like in charge of the security, security of the camp and... But has a great, shoots, great shot, breaks the right? window and yeah. shoots, at, shoots the guy. Yeah, this whole um, movie, there's like no regard whatsoever for anything in this... <laughs> anything in this uh facility like everybody breaks everything at some point like yeah i mean no, and eventually the, the gold clump becomes too <laughs> to just blow everything up yeah but i mean it's just um, funny like you yeah. know when he when the guy goes to grab it down from the gun cabinet does he open it up normally no breaks the glass yeah like, well everything it's I, just well because he didn't have the keys but yeah and he was in a rush the thing about this is, like, you can say that I mean, because it's 1982, I'm going to say what happens. You can say that the that the the monster assumes the shape of its victim. Mm-hmm. Like, you can say that, and that's kind of the, the premise. But inside the story, you don't really figure out that that's what's going on until like what 30 minutes in, 40 minutes in. You like, you don't really for sure know that that's what's happening. Well, if I like, you get a general sense, maybe like what 20 minutes in, but like before it's fully, if someone says this is what's happening, it's a while, and I love that if, so much. If I hadn't seen some of the like 2010 the thing or whatever year the the 
remake came out, if I hadn't seen some of that, and if I didn't already kind of know the story of what goes on, yeah, like if this was, if it was, that's what I'm saying. Like it's like taking it on the terms of its own story. Like that's the way the reveals are played out, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah, if it was 1982, I, mean, the, I wouldn't the, know what's going on. Alien until. also does this really well in ter- as a as a horror movie in terms of its reveals sequence, in terms of like when you know what, uh, because like they go down there, he gets smacked with the face hugger, they come back and he just appears to be fine. If you knew nothing about Alien at that point, you'd be like, all right, fine and dandy. Like that was weird, but. I mean that's and that's the way the story wants you to feel. Yeah. Um. And, Which, and you just brought up a good point. Alien versus the Thing. Who wins in that? I would love to <laughs> see that crossover because it tries to assimilate and then hits the acid blood. Who knows how that would go? Like. Yeah. Be, well, I mean the, cool. the assimilation scenes in this. Holy crap. Yeah. Some of those just are brutal. Disgusting. Yeah. Like the one with. I mean, there's the one dog that just has it, like, it's getting choked out, but the other one that's already but kind like, of, it, like, like, dissolving. But, like, when it, like, opens up itself and you see, like, what's going on in there and you see, like, bar- you can you barely s- see well, the remnants of... And, I mean, that brings me to, like, what... The, what <laughs> the opening, the first thing you see is the dude that's been, like, chopped in two. And he's got, like, two heads, basically. And that's kind yeah. of, like, your first introduction to the grossness factor. But I think that kind of goes with what the main thing this is doing um, thematically in terms of, like... Really, it's it's kind of questioning, I mean, indirectly, but questioning what is like a soul, like because it's it's distinguishing the difference between the soul and the body, um, and, and how the body and soul are are typically one, but when they're separated and you've got just the body and the body is all that there is and it's indistinguishable from the regular body, but your soul is not there anymore, mm-hmm. um, like all that stuff is like is like great and the movie kind of like fleshes around that idea using its its premise, um, and so. It doesn't ever have to do any like philosophizing on this is what a soul is and this is how, and this is how what it means to us like it's it says all of that stuff through the way that the plot plays out um yeah. on, on top of that paranoia factor of like what it would be like to interact with somebody who's not themselves anymore so essentially just quick run through the plot and then we'll get into our stories here real fast um, yeah so they, they so there's a there's a there's an alien creature running around it can assume the shape of pretty much any living thing that it comes in contact with uh because of it how its cells work that they um consume and uh the host cell and then just completely replicate it and then it just keeps doing that over and over yeah and but i've also seen there's a great video that breaks down like what the thing is and like how it works and how it's able to like replicate memory and all this other stuff too yeah so i, I can't think of who it is Which but is just yeah somebody on youtube who who breaks down like movie diseases and he did the one he did one for the thing and it's a longer mini documentary and it's 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 yeah. really well done i just i can't think of who it is though i feel bad i should have looked that up yeah so they so they, they and then they're just hunting down this this alien creature and you don't try know to who's figure who out and who's who and then they do this the different tests and stuff like that um and actually in, in terms of the body horror body horror is is not often used in the way that it should be um which is sparingly i think mm-hmm. um i think the way this movie uses body horror though relating to the point about the soul is that uh in terms of like desecrating human flesh it's like and I talked about this in, when we talk about Suicide Squad, but um, the human image it, it needs to be taken with care. Um, but once it's not human anymore, like they have, or they have the right to destroy it. Like once they know that the dude's not the dude and it's the thing, like you have to kill it. It's like this weird thing where it's like, yes, it's still a human face, but the human face must be 
yeah. burned alive. Like it's such a, but if it wasn't the thing, like you can't, you, it's, 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 uh, perverted. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, I think, and again, that's just what's running through my head as this is, as this is playing out because like generally body horror is not something I think, um, that's treated with care. Um, yeah, and I the felt boys. that, but I did felt, feel that here. Like, no. like it's, it's just either gratuitous or, or it's, it's, um, careless, and and it and and they treat yeah. they treat human flesh as something to be grinded through, um, and while Cabin human flesh woods. is grinded through here, it's 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 uh, actually done so. First of all, sparingly, and second of all, with a purpose. Yeah. Um. So let's get into stores here, Gideon. Uh. And I like I said, I've never seen this before, so this one actually w- does have like a really pure first impression. I just saw this. Yeah. Uh, you know, earlier today I watched it before I came here and um. I think for first impression, I, I really liked this. I'm excited to see the the remake of it too. I think I'm going to give this a, an, I, you know, I'm between a seven or an eight. I think I'm going to give it an eight. I like yeah. it a lot. It's one of now one of my favorite horror movies. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's horror slash sci-fi. I I'm going to give this a nine. Again, I, like I said, it's one of my favorite horror movies as well. Um, nowadays, at least, yeah. Um, yeah. If I'm if I'm taking horror movies from this time, I would still probably take The Shining over this, but I I do like this one a lot. Yeah, I mean they're close in my book. I think I might like this one more. I think the The Shining is more scary, though. I don't know. In that one, the hotel assimilates Jack. No. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. Uh, next category. Next then. category is story. The story was good. It wasn't super complicated. It didn't need to be. It was more yeah, about I mean, like good, it was a lot more of good of the, horror is going to be simple. Yeah. Um, because I, mean, I think the more you complicate horror, the less scary it becomes in a lot of ways. Um, I'm trying to think of a horror movie that is more complicated. Um, in terms of of the plot and where that's actually been used to good effect, I can't really think of it. Um, like where you're actually kind of dealing with more complex ideas. Um, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari actually is <laughs> really complicated, especially considering the fact that it's a silent film um, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, the way that it goes through uh, reality and disreality, stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, the story here, again, the way that, the way that it progresses just in terms of, like, uh, you know, who knows what when, and you can kind of, like, go back and track, like, when you think which people are knowing what when. But, again... Be behind all of that, whether you logically can understand it or not, it's viscerally understood in terms of paranoia. Yeah. Um, and the progression of that. So I, I'm going to give this a nine. I think I'm going to get. Yeah, I I like the use of suspense. This movie does suspense really well, and yeah. because of the mystery of who is actually one of the or who's been assimilated and who hasn't, I, I like that a lot. I'm going to give it an eight. Um, yeah, I think overall it, it does a really good job. Yeah, I mean, and then the end plays into that as well in terms of like. Where the the suspense is almost like not paid off to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but it's it's like it's it's a weird type of satisfying where it's like it's exactly it's it's satisfying in the sense that it's exactly what it needs to be um, to cap off w- the journey you've been on this far. I'm not going to spoil it, but but it is it is not like traditionally satisfying in that in that everything is kind of like paid off necessarily. Yeah. Um, acting. Acting was good. 
I, I, again, I, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max, and joining me here in the booth is Gideon. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about two, uh, Two kind of sci-fi films, hot um, and cold sci-fi. Yeah, well, two extremes of, of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, so I don't know which one you want to talk about first, but let's let's tell the audience here. We're going to be the talking desert. about the brand new Dune uh, that is in theaters presently, and then we are also going to be talking about the I believe it was what 1988 uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, uh, 1982. I'm sorry, 1982. I knew that the movie took place in 1982, but I thought I thought I saw 19. 19- 88 somewhere but you're okay so even better uh so yeah two very very different uh films but also very uh elemental elemental yeah absolutely right uh which would you like to talk about first i want to talk about dune first uh just because it's 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 newer and fresher and we can i think i might have more to say about dune honestly i do too um personally yeah and and i just want to start out and say that i liked both of these films um, yeah, I, so do I. Yeah, I, I enjoyed them. I went into Dune thinking I wouldn't like it as much as I did. Like, I kind of went in with zero expectations. Like, the first yeah. Dune... I mean, that's what... I, I mean, me personally, I try to go in with zero expectations for... That's just how I work. I just try not to have expectations, but... Well, I, I, I usually watch the all the trailers leading up to the film, yeah. unless it's a comedy, because I've, I've kind of, like... I'll watch one trailer for a comedy but then if i don't like it from that i won't because i don't want to spoil any more jokes than i have to um but with this i watched one trailer and i was like okay so it's based off this movie i'd vaguely heard about but never really seen anything of um 1984 and it just was like okay i don't know what's happening with this and it didn't seem to interest me that much and i was kind of just not looking forward to it but uh I watched it on HBO Max, and I kind of regret that. I wish I had gone and saw it in the ultra screen, mm-hmm. and now I actually want to go see it a second time uh, in the ultra screen because it was such a visual spectacle in yeah. so much of this movie, and I was, like, really hyped after only a few minutes. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, this is just awesome, and, oh, man, there's so much I liked about how this movie does, uh, how, how this movie executes and... Not just visual, but also their, yeah, their world way. building and exposition, especially. I, I'm glad you said world building because yeah, it, it, they do the perfect ratio of exposition exposition where they don't yeah. over explain anything. They just trust the audience to just either mm-hmm. just assume whatever about it and just move on and just understand that this is important, this is yeah. this, and, and they don't go into too much detail about anything, but just enough and where. Oh yeah. man, it's kind of hard to explain. And that's and I've read the book, so I know all of this stuff. The thing that I was worried about um is in terms of like bias, um I wasn't sure if I'm like understanding what's going on only because I've read the book and that if like other thing other things are going to go over people's head, but it seems like uh just from people's responses to this who have said they haven't read the book, it they're generally picking up on what's going on. Um and I think and I think the film is good at that. If anything, I think the film doesn't doesn't tell enough um just in terms of like you're adapting something cinematically so you're not you're obviously going to be working with a different set of rules in terms of the medium um and you're going to be uh, adhering to a different standard and you're going to need to do things differently and you're not going to include all of the the political uh, back and forth and all of the the rules and stuff like that that's happening in the book and and the deeper character development and that's fine um 
there were just a couple points where I was like, I wish this had been in the movie, um, just certain things and details. Um, but otherwise, I mean, as an experience, I, I, there's nothing, there's, this is like Denis Villeneuve is just working. I mean, he did, he did this with Blade Runner 2049. He did this with Arrival, even with Sicario. Um, like he just, he's really good at creating immersive and at times poetic worlds. Um, I mean, I think the source material in some ways holds this back from being as poetic as something like Arrival. Um, I think I think Arrival is more poetic than this, and I think part of that might honestly be his his reverence for the source material, where he's not really, he never really makes any choices in adapting this. There's no big swings necessarily in terms of changing the source material for the screen and there's nothing wrong with that like it's not it's not a flaw i'm just saying um with arrival compare that to its source material and Arrival's there are definitely just a short story right arrival is just, like just a, a yeah it's a, it's a it's a yeah short story i actually have the 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 collection that it's in Ooh, um, to read it and i've read a couple of the stories i've read parts of arrival but how many it's like it's like like it's like, like 70 pages, pages 70 oh. pages. It's 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 a little it's it's a little bit more substantial, but but you can see him and screenwriter I think Eric Hessier is his name. They they change the source material big time for the screen. Like you can you can see clear choices that they're making and and that are adhering it to the medium. Whereas this it's so weird because like he's he's making choices in terms of taking stuff out. Not so much in again. It's like I, I, I'm not. I'm not judging the movie. I'm just trying to explain what kind of how the ad, adaptation looks in terms of how it's different from from the novel. Um, but again, as ter in terms of a cinematic experience, in terms of big sound, in terms of big actors, in terms of of big images and and the collision, like like the you know CG images with with practical sets and stuff like that, like all of it's it's flawless. Like it's just yeah. great stuff. Yeah, I really like, couldn't you tell go to the where theater it was. And you're, yeah, I couldn't tell immersed. where the real set ended and the and the kind of green screen or whatever they're using beyond that and the visual effects like began. Like this was. I, I thought this was fantastic. Yeah, like and set extent. I think set like set extensions. I don't know if that's what's going on here, but it feels like so, like so in some ways, like like when you got those big, uh, like the uh, when they go down to Arrakis and they've got those big buildings and they you see them like go off into the distance and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like it feels like there's stuff that's real and then they extend it backwards or something like that. And then like just the big groups of people. Like, I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, like just big, big everything in this movie. Yeah, and I mean, I wonder how big like that ship is that's like transporting like all the tube thing. Yeah, the, yeah, the, that the, thing the was cool. I, mean, I did it, not. It almost looks like it's like moon sized almost or something. Yeah, I, mean, I did not huge. remember that from the book. Um, um but or at least not like I, the visual. I love the design of that. That was just kind of cool. Like something about yeah. it was just very pleasing. But um, I'm glad you brought up Blade Runner 2049 because I got a lot of vibes from that yeah. uh, in, I mean at least looking at like the building that is on Arrakis that um, his, the main character's the, like family kind of takes yeah I think it's over. called Arakeen yeah is the but didn't that building kind the, of look yeah. like the, the pyramid type building from the city. Uh, from Blade Runner yeah <laughs> I mean I always felt like I, like I was watching I'm like oh it's kind of kind of vibing like that but I just thought there was so much Everything visually in this movie was fantastic. I thought the costume yeah. design was great. I thought the the music was cool. I thought the the set design was awesome. Well, I mean, Just and all this stuff gives you a sense of the world. Yeah, like 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 the 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 little the what's it called? Like the thing that they oh, on top of the the Benny Gesserit uh, mother. What's her name? The not Jessica, but the other one. When he goes and puts his hand in the box, and she's got like this mm -hmm. this veil priestess, over her face. Yeah. 
Um, and sh- and like that, and it feels very ancient. Um, mm-hmm. And the whole world feels ancient. It's like, it, and this is what the book does. And this is, and the, he he adapts this so well. It's got it's it's set in the future, but because of the way technology has progressed, um, like AI is outlawed. Like AI is like because of the, it's like it, there's like I didn't know whole, there's like whole things in the book like about how AI is like evil and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. so they don't allow it. Um, and and the shield gener- and the shield personal shields that they've created, um, which is why there's not many guns. Most of them are using knives and stuff like that because yeah. of the shield technology. So like all of this stuff that has progressed to a certain extent. So like it's weird because technology has progressed so that- far that you're going backwards and using more ancient forms like like knives and stuff like that. But um, then also that like. And the projectile weapons like slow themselves down as they, they ha- well they have to they have yeah. to slow themselves down because otherwise they can't and so the way the shields work is that if it's you based off of like kinetic energy and like, you can't if it goes too fast the sh- it bounces off the shield yeah so like when you're so this they, they kind of get this right they kind of like there's when Duncan's fighting you he kind of feels not like this but if you hit, swing the knife too fast. It, it won't go in the shield. The only way yeah. to beat the person is by it slowing it and- slowing it down enough that it'll actually go, enter enter the shield. And so there's parts where Duncan's fighting where he's just slashing. And he's like, okay, that's not really probably how it would work. But yeah. but so it's, it's tough in terms of visualizing that. But that's what happens at the end with with Paul. I'm not going to go into spoilers, but in the book, um, you you they explicitly tell you this. But the thing is, you get a sense of what they explicitly tell you in the book in the movie. So like, mm-hmm. what Paul does is because they're not using shields, Paul is at a disadvantage because he's so used to fighting shields and you fight differently with shields than you do without shields. Yeah. Um, and you get that sense from the movie, even though they're not explaining any of that to you. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, if anybody still doesn't really understand how the shields work, imagine like Oblek, like the that weird like slime that the more energy you put into it, the more solid it is. But if you go in slowly, then it's just like a liquid. Mm. It's it's like the, ener- it's like the energy form of that. Sure. <laughs> um, But... Yeah, there's just so much uh, to unpack with this movie, and we can't go into to the details of the story too much. Even though I, I don't know if the 1984 movie kind of tells the the same story. I have story not seen in the, same the 84 way. movie, so so I won't. In just in case it's a, it's different, which from a little bit I saw it, it seemed like it was. Well, the 84 movie goes through the entire story, as far as I'm aware. This is only oh, the first half of the yeah. story, and I'm happy they're taking their time with this because this definitely felt like. So it needed to be a little more fleshed out. I'm happy that's, that this that's is... the thing. I'm so happy that they're taking their time with it and like actually allowing scenes to feel full. Yeah. The problem that I have with that is when it comes to the end of this movie, it's just very abrupt. Um and it and it and it feels like we cut black without any real final care like people have compared this to Fellowship of the Ring. I compare it in more the sense to like that Golden Compass. Fellowship of the Ring. Well, in the sense that Fellowship of the Ring is is different in that you actually have a final sense of emotion in Fellowship of the Ring. There's a beginning, middle, and end. Whereas here it feels like a beginning and then like middle, a, kind of. the, the middle the of a barrel, middle. The barely the start of the middle. Yeah. So like basically I think the beginning of the story is like the is them arriving the dune and then the middle is him kind of uh is him is Paul being uh associated with the Fremen. Um I'm trying to dance around spoilers, but that's not that's not well, giving away too much. I mean, he's, we can, he we can, can say a little bit. So like, so he's he, he's so part be, of a royal but family. That, that just is, that's the end. The end yeah. is him first meeting the Fremen. Not, or kind of yeah, just beginning and, his journey with. But it's like the beginning of the middle of the bigger story. It's just a yeah. weird place to end it. Yeah. So especially since I won't go into, into details, but the book ends at a different place. So like, what happens at the end? The very the, like you know what I'm in in the fight that happens later. Like huh. there's so a it's kind of it doesn't happen in the desert. Hmm. Okay, 
So we won't so get, just, we won't, we yeah. don't want to go any further than yeah. what you're already saying because we'll, we'll leave that out. But um, for, for this story, just briefly, so. Um, oh, yeah. What is this? What is this house? We just what jumped this, right in. Well, what is this house called? Yeah, again? House Atreides. Okay, so Atreides is like essentially it's there's an empire by the emperor to yeah. go down to yeah Arrakis. Well, hold on, a little bit of world building. So it seems like I don't know what's going on with Earth. Probably nobody's there anymore. Humans have spread out and colonized worlds, and it seems like things have kind of gone back to like medieval fiefdoms a little bit and stuff like that. And there's an emperor and then you have like people, royal families who kind of control their own planets and they answer to this emperor. And there was this one group that, that controlled Arrakis for 80 years and they became extremely rich because of the, this, this mineral that's, that's apparently only on this one planet and nobody can replicate it. So Whoever controls this one spice. planet, yeah, is it what is the spice called? Melange, spice melange, yeah, yeah. South Park made some jokes with, about that, and I never realized it was a reference to anything. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was like a weird South Park thing, but it was like uh, it had to do with Tom Brady, and it was really dumb. But um, so yeah, so this this one group becomes really powerful and they're there for 80 years and they get rich and then they're told by the empire to leave. And then now uh, House Atreides is now the next one sent there to continue the operation. And that's where Paul, our main character, his father is the head of House Atreides and and they're essentially now this royalty of this new planet and are going to be there for the foreseeable future becoming more powerful than they have ever been before. And this is a huge opportunity for them. And then the uh, other, other groups ain't about that. Yeah. Other groups uh, don't want that. So that's where I'm going to leave it. Still and in Scar's garden is disgusting black goop. Yeah. <laughs> the oil <laughs> that he's bathing yeah. in. It's just, it's like, nah, nah, that's just vinaigrette. <laughs> just <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and it took me a while to figure out who, who he was because he's in this big fat suit. And yeah, but then I was like, oh, that's a dude from Thor. Like, okay, yeah. all right, yeah. That's the only movie apparently I know that guy from. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so really solid though. I, I Again, just incredible visuals throughout this movie. Uh, who's the cinematographer? I want to like give shout outs to whoever um, that is. I know Hans Zimmer did was, the music. Com- yeah, Hans Zimmer music. did the music and that's great stuff. Yeah, um, cinematography was by Greg Frazier. Greg, um, who great did job. Rogue One, Zero Dark Thirty. I was getting Rogue Lion. One vibes, dude. Yeah, He's going to do the sense. Batman, actually. That Okay, so that makes a lot of sense because I was definitely getting some Rogue One vibes from certain shots. Uh, like, it's, like, I felt like I was looking I at... I think he uh, does really well a scale, honestly. Like, I feel like Rogue One has one of the best senses of scale in, in the entire Star Wars yeah. universe in terms of, like, how... How, like Rogue One really makes you feel like 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 a like a Star, Star Destroyer. Like you actually feel like holy crap, that thing is huge. Or the Death Star, the fact um, that it like eclipses the, the sun over yeah. Scarif for like just or no, it's not Scarif over Jakku. Was it? No, it wasn't Jakku. No, it's not Jakku because the no, Jakku's no, no. Not. What was the planet they were on? The that desert one where the oh, I can't remember where they were getting the crystals. Darn oh, it! Oh yeah, the one where uh, um, where what's his name is on. My mind's blanking. Yeah. So, um, anyways, the way that they just did all that, you're absolutely right. There is that de- he definitely has a great sense of scale. Um, but just every shot was just beautiful. Like I wanted to like get some stills of this movie and just like frame them because <laughs> some of these are so cool. 
like when they're in the um, courtyard with the palm trees. I just thought that looked really good, and just everything was just fantastic. I was, yeah, I, was I loved, it. I loved the scene where him and Jessica are talking, and there's like all the the wind blowing all around them, and you can hardly see their face, and they're like twenty feet apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. Fantastic. Like just stuff like that, where you're, where, where he's finding different ways to to frame typical things that you'd frame in just regular conversation, but he's he's framing them in a different way, um, using the environment. I just love that kind of stuff. Also, I love the formal wear of House Atreides. Like, yeah. Like when him and his father are kind of hanging around the the family cemetery. Oh my gosh, it's just just incredible what. Everything they got on, it just yeah, it's awesome. Cool yeah. leather jackets. I was like, I want that outfit, but I know I wouldn't look as good as uh, as what's his name in it. Uh, as Stephen McKinley Henderson, because he plays Hawat. He looks yeah. big fan of him. Uh, but all right, I we wish there start... was more of him in this movie. Yeah, do you want to start getting into scores here? Yeah, uh, first category is first impression. First impression, I was blown away. I was not expecting to like this movie as much as I did. I. I'm super excited for the second one. Mm -hmm. Cannot wait to see it. I hope they've just like kind of just didn't even stop filming. They just were like, this is where we're ending this and send a team off to finish it. Well, they did. And that's everyone's kind of confused about that. I mean, I know Um, that they did like the Pirates movies kind of. Right. And they did that with Lord of the Rings as well, where they did Lord of the the, Pirates of the Caribbean. They did two and three. Lord of the Rings, they did all three simultaneously. This one, they stopped and waited for the green light until just now. Literally earlier today, they, they did the green light, which I think everyone's kind of like. It would have made more sense to do this. Well, they it seemed um, like they were back leading back. into it. Like yeah, it was, and it, and the story structure especially feels like it should have been filmed back to back. Like it just seems like a really odd. And then like and then Dune as a result, it's gonna, the, the, yeah, exactly. And then and then as a result of that, it's we're gonna wait two more years instead of one, like we would have for Pirates of the Caribbean and and Lord of the Rings, um, and The Hobbit for that matter. But like again, it's just it is what it is. But it doesn't really make sense to me. I don't. They, there's probably some financial thing going on there. I don't well, know. I think they're doing well, uh, at least in the box. You know, they office. are doing well enough because they they today they just greenlit part two. Yeah. Um. So they're doing well. It's just, I wish they would have just already been filming part two. Yeah. And though at the same time, and in terms of marketing too, just like market this as part one. Say part two is coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I'm not sure what the strategy was, but whatever. But I'm I am happy that there's more to come with this because oh I, definitely and I think the first I think the second half has a lot in store that that's more interesting than what they did here in terms of story yeah. and also just everybody in this movie is like peaking right now in their Hollywood success like Chalamet yeah. and and uh, Batista and like all these people are just like getting all yeah, these yeah they big got movies they got the stars Rebecca Ferguson is great, doing incredible work here yeah um, Jason Momoa probably in his best. I, I think I is I like playing him. cool dude, which he's good at doing. <laughs> yeah, but I, I thought he was better than his usual one here. I mean, compared maybe to Game of Thrones, maybe he does a little better as Cal Drago, but I don't know. Uh, anyways, yeah, first impression definitely. I would say a nine. I I'm so excited for more from this. Um, I give this a seven. I again, I'm I I really enjoyed this thoroughly from start to finish. Um. There's just like little things that I have in terms of like story and and you know quality. Just again, I do need to see this again. I feel like I I'll I might change my either score or impression or whatever you want to call it. Um, but there's just things about this where it's like it's not as good as it could have been. 
And I don't know if that's because I read the book or if it's like, like it just feels like there's a lack of content in some, or, or substance in some ways. Like the spectacle is all there. Um, the substance in terms of like what, who Paul is, understanding him as a character, understanding what his character means, um, and then the more complicated interactions between the houses and stuff like that. Like I just felt like some of the substance, and again, I, this, this is going back to adaptation, um, the substance of the book is lost, which is always going to happen to a certain extent. But it feels like uh, Villeneuve and uh, the screenwriters sacrificed some of the of the content where they didn't need to. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not making a final judgment in any in any way. That's just what I got off the off the first viewing. Even though I had a fantastic time. You watched it in theaters, right? Yeah. On super screen or? Yeah, I went down to Madison and saw it in the ultra screen. Nice. Okay. Well, I'm jealous of you, but I'm going to try to go see it again yeah. that way. Uh, I think they're doing that around here. Uh, okay, so seven for you, first impression, nine for me. Uh, next category. Story. Story, I thought, was really well done. I hope that they, like, knowing now that they're for sure going to have a second one, like, I almost had no doubt in my mind that they would just because of how heavily they leaned into this is a part one. I mean, they literally say, like, part one or chapter one or something like that in the yeah, opening with the opening, the opening title, title of this so i mean i right off the bat i was like okay so even if they don't do everything here the next one's got it or maybe the third one mm -hmm. i didn't know if they were gonna do two or three i Seems think that, like two i think what Villeneuve said is that the rest of the first book will be finished in part two but he wants to adapt the second book which is called dune messiah into a part three okay so cool. um so i However, that ends up playing out. Well, even if I just get a second one and it has a decent resolution, I'm happy. Right. Um, and because knowing that it was leading into a second one that is now for sure going to happen, uh, I feel a lot better about how it ended. So that issue is kind of resolved. Uh, I also just love how, like I said, how they didn't coddle you with any of the stuff. I didn't know what anything was. I didn't even really catch what the name of the spice was. Until I had watched... I mean, they generally just refer to it as spice. This, in this one, but in the old one, they actually say, like, the spice melange a lot oh. more. I and mean, in, in the book, they don't... They they mention it's called... Or they say spice melange, but most of the time, they just call it the spice. Yeah. In the 84 movie, they, like, literally say, like, right off the bat. And so I didn't even catch what the full name of it was. Um for a while, but I also just was like, I'm, I'm in, I'm in for it. I don't understand everything, but that's okay. Yeah. Just show, like right. show, don't yeah, tell yeah. kind of thing. And they, they did the perfect amount of exposition and showing that, that is, is absolutely what I love. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what everybody's saying. Like, it's just, it's just kind of astonishing what they're doing in terms of exposition. Yeah. I like, and, and, every, and like, and, and, and in terms of like broader audience, everyone's kind of like vibing with the world, which is, I yeah. think, I think regardless of my shortcomings, I think that's really cool mm -hmm. is that like the broader population is coming to love this world, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. So for story, I'm going to give it an eight. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it's like the greatest story or I've ever, you know, seen, but I still like it a lot and I can appreciate what they did and I have no real issues with it. I just don't know if it's like, yeah. I, I was, I still wasn't like, oh my God, like I need to go like write a fan fiction in the Dune universe. Like I wasn't like that. It was, you know, that kind of thing. Like that's usually what a 10 would be is if I feel so enthralled with it that I need to like go write myself and, and make something that pertains to it. So yeah, still really solid though. What about you? Um, I'm going to give this a seven. Again, world building is flawless. That part of it is is there. Um, the actual machinations of the plot and and character stuff, 
um, I did I did feel was lacking on this viewing. Um, like Hawat especially, uh, I really missed. I mean, and, and I've seen Van Lu say in interviews that he's he's uh, go, he wants to go into the Mentat world more in, in the second part. Um, Mentat is what Hawat is. He's like a human computer basically. Um, you don't really get that at all from this movie, is that, unfortunately. Is that the dude who's like the advisor. Yeah, so he's the advisor, but he's the advisor because he's got like this superhuman uh, thinking uh, logic ability, and then and then so Paul, he's like Lobot. and then Paul eventually starts to have that mentat capabilities as well in terms mm. of like extreme logic and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, um, I forgot to mention Paul kind of has a superpower a little bit. Like he's the messiah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but you <laughs> so, talked about the priest lady. Like, there's like a group of. People who are apparently like right. So the the, the the we haven't talked about this at all, and, but the, I think the movie actually does a really good job of portraying this part of the story. Yeah. This is the part of the story I think that this movie portrays the best. Um, is Paul's journey in terms of like how he relates to the Benny Gesserit, um, like how the spice affects him specifically, um, and his uh, viewings of the future and the holy war that's coming, um, and his role in the holy war. Um, they call it jihad in the book. Um, yeah, and, I just heard that. Um, and this was talking about. Yeah, that. and then and then they, and then his his Benny Gesserit powers with the voice and stuff like that. I love that scene where he first tries to use the voice. That's like I feel like that was the 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 straight out of the book. Um, what happened there? And I feel like the progression of that actually like accomplishes a lot of the complex the complexity that the book has and does it legibly for the screen. I love that so much. Um, but again, some of the other stuff like with Hawat, Dr. Yue especially, I was very, that's probably my biggest flaw is him because he plays such a huge role in what happens in the first half of this story. And then when he just doesn't really get any development and he kind of pops out of nowhere to do what he does, mm -hmm. I, I was just like, it feels like there's needs to be some more development there. And just to, just to make that feel satisfying. Um, and it's not played, it's, it's I feel like it's supposed to be some like it's not played as a surprise really. It's just kind of like comes out of, comes out of nowhere. Um, and I mean, and so when I saw it again, this is the moment where like I know exactly what his his deal is because I've read the book, but I don't think other people will. And like other people are gonna be like, wait, who is this guy? Why is he doing this? What's the deal? What? And then but the implications of that are huge for the rest of the story. So I'm surprised that that hasn't buckled the the entire story underneath it. But it, apparently people are fine with it. I didn't have any issue. Yeah, I was like, all right, it made sense why he did it, what he did, and I was like, okay, I believe yeah. it. I don't, I don't I think these guys are above that, and I don't think, I, I think he's making the decisions. He but then does. there's there, like there's the before and after that, so there's like a whole bunch of stuff that happens after that, like with Jessica. I mean, I don't really want to say what happens because uh, yeah, let's not, let's, let's um, just. But, but again, th that part was the part that I was where I felt the story was the weakest. It's just like I wanted more development in terms of his that, well, his character and that and that. You know, and how he affects the... the I'm not story. talking about we're say what it is, but that thing, that I wanted more from that. Mm. Um, Paul Paul's journey was is fine. It's great. Also, yeah. Timothy Chalamet, awesome. He did yeah. a great job, and I'm, I'm totally behind it. And he's, he's like... No, I'm down it. with him. I mean, you can he's make fun of him as like, the... He looks like the guy from the 84 one, too, a little bit. Like, they did a great job, like, recasting Paul, you know, after all this time. And well, I mean, probably because <laughs> the book describes him. Um. Yeah. James Bond doesn't look exactly like. Yeah. I mean, James Bond, it, as the books are describing, he kind of looks more like a Superman with a star over his eye. I think one of my favorite Timothy Chalamet role is probably Little Women. Honestly, I, I like him in uh, in The King. Yeah. 
He's really good in that. But this might be my new favorite of his because I really like his character. In this. No, I do think I think I might. Little Women is probably my favorite because he's in like he's in, has a bit role in Interstellar, Lady Bird, Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't. I saw that. Yeah, that was weird. I didn't realize he was in Lady. But Bird. I, I mean, Laurie and Lady Bird is just like that's he's perfect for that. All right. So yeah, um, uh, seven's my score for story acting. I mean, we're already kind of talking about acting. So yeah, good transition there. Um, everything was top notch. I don't have an issue with anybody. Usually, I'm not a big fan of Jason Momoa because you know. After he did Aquaman, it kind of brought the prestige of him down. And also, I just don't like all these people who are, like, wrestlers. Oh, I, like, like, I like him I don't as like, Aquaman. I don't like the, a lot of WWE guys who are trying to break into, like, actual acting. Is, was he a WWE guy? I believe Jason Momoa was. And same with Batista. I, I know Batista was. I don't think Jason Momoa was, though. I'm pretty sure he is. I might be wrong, but I, I am almost certain he was. So, it's just, it seems like that, I mean, not to say that their acting isn't actually, like, kind of oddly soap opery and deep in the WWE because there's so much that happens with that. But uh, I don't know. It's just seeing where these guys are coming from. Like I still can't see Batista without thinking of Guardians of the Galaxy. I still can't see Momoa without thinking of Aquaman now. So it kind of ruins those guys, but everybody I, else yeah, I, I, I was 100% behind. I thought, um, oh, what's his name? Dude who plays Thanos. Uh <laughs> Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. I thought he was fantastic in this. I thought he was like the perfect casting choice for that general or Gurney Halleck. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. His I, character. Like, I love where his character goes. I was like, dude, this this guy, this is literally there. There was no better choice. Like I was kind of getting the same vibe as the 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 commander from uh, Avatar from 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 Brolin in this. But, uh, no, he's way more complex than that character. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, like, I would love to see those two, like, duke it out because I feel like that'd be fun to watch and, like, just, I don't know. I, I just was liking that and I got great vibes. Yeah, from I, Josh think, Brolin, I think I Javier Bardem awesome. might be the best role in the film. Um, he plays Stilgar um, and he's introduced early and he's kind of like the first look into the Fremen and kind of like as their leader and kind of be like, oh, this, this is what they're all about. And he, and he, he comes in and kind of gives a vibe for what's going on there and then at the end, too. Um, you get good sense from him. Zendaya, I mean, people are commenting on how she's uh, quote-unquote underutilized. I knew she was going to be because I was like, how are they going to fit her in? She's only in the... She's well, they like just not in the story. Well, they, just they just keep using her as, 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 as uh, flash-forwards. Yeah, I was just about to say, um, they just kept using her in flashbacks, and that's it. I mean, 15 yeah. minutes of this movie is just like slow-mo shots of her face. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson, also in Lady Bird. Um, again, I loved him as Hawat. I wanted more of him. I'll take... I'll, I would have seen... I'll take any amount of screen time from him. Um, again, all, again, performances across the board. Just it's Fantastic. just stellar. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, I, Dave Bautista. I, I was going to say earlier, my favorite role from him, I think, is uh, twenty forty nine. Uh, his role at the beginning. Yeah. Like he, he does not yeah. have that much screen time here. I don't think. Like hardly any. Uh, probably, I'd say probably equal as oh. as as uh, as Raven. But again. Twenty forty nine. He has just about as much screen time as he does here, and does more with it. I think. You're like his character has so much depth in a single scene. You tell me that your favorite one isn't that kids movie where he's like a CIA guy and <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> what movie is that? I, I think it's like My Spy or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Like, oh my god, I saw the trailer for that. I was cringing so hard. I was like, let's let's just yeah, get I to Greg Marcus like, so I can not just start the movie. That. You know. Like, Yes. <laughs> got to get to Greg. Yeah, let's just get, and then you just got to get past him. And again, the reason AMC is better is because you don't have because to watch Greg Marcus. <laughs> yeah. And they get, do better popcorn. But again, we need more we need more movie theater diversity in this area. That's for darn sure. But yeah. uh 
it's not a very competitive market. Yeah. It needs <laughs> not, to be. Not this part of Wisconsin, that's for sure. Um, I'll give acting an eight. I, I agree. I agree. All right. Look and feel. Ten. Visually, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. And there's so much that goes into it. I'm not a big fan of Hans Zimmer, but I think he his, really? his I'm not. I think half the time he has his friends do the bulk of the work and then he takes the main credit for it. Um, <laughs> and then... I other, mean, he does have a lot of collaboration scores like on 2049. Yeah, but and, uh, a lot Batman of times and, it's mostly the people he's working with. I, mean, he he I suppose does, now that you say that, I do realize he has done a lot of collaboration scores, but I don't... But there are, I mean, when he does by... Like, I think... There are some times when he does not by himself, but I... But seeing how many collaborations he has and, and I've seen, like, documentaries into the people who've worked with him and, like, how much they've actually contributed, it made me lose a lot of respect for him as an individual maker because then a lot of his big scores are... You know, piggybacking it seemed off of other people. I don't know. So I, for, I, I don't know. That's just my take on yeah. him. But I still think his score in this was really good. Whether uh, how much how much of it he made, probably most of it, uh, still really solid. He's the only credited one. Yeah, it's not like twenty forty nine where it's him and uh, Wallfish. I think it's the other guy's name. Yeah, but again, really good score. Probably the best costume design I've ever seen in a film. Actually, I will just go out and say the best costume design I've ever seen in a film. Uh, some of the best visuals I've ever seen in terms of cinematography and set design and all of that. So I was 100% for this movie. I thought you nailed it talking about scale. And yeah, I was just going to say, I, I keep on coming back to scale more than anything else. I mean, cinematography is great. Score is great. But I think just scale, it's like, it's it's it's, it's up there. Yeah. And there, and in terms the, of the fact it, that... As, this, as an you, epic. I mean, there's there's other epics that, that communicate it as well or better. I mean, I think of something like uh, Ron or Ben-Hur or or any of these other classic epics. If you want to talk about scale, then Fall of um, the Roman Empire has uh, one of the long... It's a very yeah. long shot, and it literally... You watch, like, a parade of people. I mean, there must have been thousands of extras in, like, one shot here. It's just yeah, a parade just, just, just going, extras. and it's like, and oh, I my think God, this, this is one I, set. I don't think this ter- communicates that in terms of extras. I mean, you, you get extras here, you don't get that type of scale. Like, like the, the scene in Ron where you've got all the people charging the cows with just a flag, like, it's just insane, uh, the amount of, of work. Or even even earlier in Hidden Fortress, he did that, too. when they do the um, running. Yeah, uh, like, even, yeah, something like that. This is, in terms of extras, this is not doing that. It is doing that in terms of like buildings and and planets and spaceships and stuff like that, where it's just yeah. like dang. And you feel the weight to everything that's there, and these these ships are huge, and the way that they do sound design, like the not necessarily horns, but like the the bagpipes, bro. The bagpipes are cool, but I'm no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like with the ships when they're all leaving. Uh, uh, what's Atreides's uh, home planet? What is that? Uh, Caladan. Caladan. When they're leaving Caladan and the ships are coming out of the water and you hear like yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the horns to, yeah. to to just be like the announcement that they're leaving and, and it's coming from those ships. That was really cool sound design that just stood out and I remember it. And it's So yeah, 10, 10 out of 10 for that. For um, sure. I'm going to go 9 out of 10 for this. Again, it's 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 great. Um, it's not quite to the perfect level. Um there's, but I mean, like again, perfect is like magic. You didn't like that little close-up shot of the desert mouse, and he. Gets the I sweat love the. And... Okay, so the desert mouse is called is called. That's actually like a, a whole thing, and this is something that you kind of have to have the book for. But the desert mouse is called, uh, I think it's like Muad'Dib, and that's what he. That's what Paul ends up taking as as a name, uh, as like his mm. his his fremen name. Hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah, I, I love the concept of everybody just, like, recycling moisture as best they can. Like, even the animals do it. Like, he's sweating out the ears right. and he just yeah. takes it and just goes. Right, and, and just, that's, again, cool. like, you, you get all of that. It's an image. You don't have like, to say, you don't have to have someone say, so the mouse, see, watch him. He takes his, and then have someone in one of the fremen come up and say, okay, see that mouse? Look what he's doing. He's going to take his thing, and then he's yeah. going to drink it. And he's like, There's it's no perfect. And this is how we work, this is how we work the still suits. Like, no one does that. Yep. As you watch it, and you're like, oh, I know what's going on. Moving on. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. See, again, it's it's perfect. It's the perfect ratio, I think. With the and they don't have to explain that. I mean, they, pro they probably will actually go into this in part two, but they don't have to explain that Muad'Dib is what it's called. Mm. Okay. Um, uh, so next category then? Uh, I think final category is experience. experience. Uh, the experience just in my house, watching it on my regular TV with no surround sound and no yeah. decent lighting around me. Uh, I still had a great time. I cannot wait to see this in, in, yeah. in the theater because I'm definitely going to go see this a second time and not many movies get that from me where I go and actually see them again in theaters. Um, so... I would say the experience was definitely a 9 out of 10. Probably not as good as, like, when I first saw Golden Compass, even though I know that movie isn't as good as this. Um, but that universe had me so yeah. into it, I was hooked. Um, but, yeah, 9 out of um, 10. I'm going to give this an 8. I had a good time. Again, there's some of those more, like, viscerally in terms of, like, my seat going, like, that's always fun. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like <laughs> when the bass is so loud that you're literally shaking, like that's cool. Um, there's no, there's no doubt about it. That's part about um, Dunkirk, man. Those, those it, dive right, sirens. Well, yeah, the Dunkirk, Blade Runner 2049, like all these things where it's like unless you're in the theater, you're not gonna feel your seat shake. Um, but in terms of the more uh, uh, emotional or intellectual parts of the experience. Um, it, it did feel lacking to me because of those story things I mentioned earlier. Like I'm not feeling the holy crap, what just happened, uh, story-wise. It's more, holy crap, what just happened, that ship is so heckin' huge. Uh, <laughs> which is, again, a, a more gut thing than it is a, a head thing or heart thing. <laughs> the way you described it, that's just funny. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. But all right, uh, where, before we get on to the thing here, what's our, do we have our final score tallied? Yeah, final score is an 83 out of 100. Oh, um, man, I was hoping we would get an 84. Just so it would be... Which will put it at the same score as Unbreakable and Marriage Story. All right. Fair company there, yeah. for sure. Very different types of fil films, but uh, good. Where, where does Blade Runner uh, 2049 stack up? Blade Runner's at the top for us. Okay. Um, I think we gave it like a 96 or something stupidly high. It's not so. stupidly high. It was well, a great stupidly, film. Well, no, no, I'm, I'm not saying... I'm Sorry, I meant, yeah. I meant in the sense like it's Ex just... Exceedingly at the, at the high, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, then when we come back here, we are going to be talking about 1982's The Thing. So stick around. History News in Washington. I'm Simon Marks. The Queen will not participate in the COP26 climate summit in person, but will deliver a video message instead. U.S. President Joe Biden has announced more than $100 million to support Southeast Asia in the face of growing Chinese influence. And the Russian capital, Moscow, is to tighten COVID-19 restrictions after the country recorded more than 1,000 deaths in 24 hours. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen. Gideon and I are about to review 1982's The Thing by John Carpenter. Uh, Gideon, have you ever seen this movie before? I have. I have um, not. 
And I was I was not the hugest fan on it the first time. I I, I enjoyed it, um, and I thought I was like, oh, good movie. I was not like, dang, best horror movie of all time level. Um, I'm not, I'm I'm close to that now though. Like this really? thing, this thing is great. <laughs> you think it's one of the best horror movies of all time? I mean, it's up there. I don't even consider it that much of a horror movie. I thought of it definitely more just straight sci-fi. Um, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's in that scary, genre. I mean, you like, get the you get the uh, slow elimination of characters. You get the the disgusting nature of the creature effects and stuff like that. The mounting paranoia and dread, especially. That's true. I mean, it does have definitely like, those in, in terms of par- paranoia and dread, this does this, and that's what that's the the biggest draw for this. Paranoia and dread, it does better than just about any movie you'll ever ever watch. Um, if you just like feel in terms of feeling like I have no idea who is what, what to trust, what is real, um, and just that sense of, like, absolute being lost and, like, confused. Like, it captures that so well. Um, and to the point... And then and then add on to that the creature effects. Yeah. Um, and it's just, like... So, trivia question for you. Who's the first uh, casualty in this film? Um, I think it was... Hold on before you answer. I mean, we the talked dogs? About, we ta- no, we talked about it before the episode. Did we? Yeah. The chess computer. Oh. <laughs> the first casualty. <laughs> I still I still find that super funny that he just straight up just loses in chess, pours a drink into it, and like, great, now for the next three months, nobody there can play any chess against the computer. Like, <laughs> Yes. But no, I... Yeah, let's... If somebody hasn't seen this film, let's give them a quick synopsis. Um... Uh, Given that this yeah, you're you're in Antarctica, you're doing a research team, and then all of a sudden these uh, these Swedes, Norwegians, Norwegians, I say Swedes because that's what uh, that's what McCready calls, calls them every calls time. Them. Yeah, yeah, the Norwegians uh, these Swedes are, show up. The Norwegians show up trying uh, to chase this dog. dog. Yeah, I don't know what Balto did <laughs> like, to that's annoy him. But such a great opening though, because you're just you're along with everybody else. Like, what the heck is happening? Why, like, why is this why dog are they flying just a helicopter yeah. trying to shoot a dog? Like, why? Um, and so you're along with the rest of of the crew, um, and then they start shooting at them. So obviously they kill the Norwegians. Um, and then they kind of start investigating and find out that well, there's this... Well, one of the Norwegians uh, kills himself by accident. He tosses a grenade and then he, he's like, oh, God, it, you know... It, yeah, right, and then the other and guy starts shooting and then they shoot and then the... And then the, the what, do you, what do you want to call him? Captain or the the marshal or... Yeah. He's yeah. kind of like in charge of the security, security of the camp and... But has a great, shoots, great shot, Breaks the right? window and yeah. shoots, at, shoots the guy. Yeah, this whole um, movie, there's like no regard whatsoever for anything in this... <laughs> anything in this uh facility like everybody breaks everything at some point like yeah i mean no, and eventually the, the gold clump becomes too <laughs> to just blow everything up yeah but i mean it's just um, funny like you yeah. know when he when the guy goes to grab it down from the gun cabinet does he open it up normally no breaks the glass yeah like, well everything it's I, just well because he didn't have the keys but yeah and he was in a rush the thing about this is, like, you can say that, I mean, because it's 1982, I'm going to say what happens. You can say that the that the the monster assumes the shape of its victim. Mm-hmm. Like, you can say that, and that's kind of the, the premise. But inside the story, you don't really figure out that that's what's going on until, like, what, 30 minutes in, 40 minutes in? You, like, you don't really for sure know that that's what's happening. Well, if I... Like, you get a general sense maybe, like, what, 20 minutes in? But, like, before it's fully, if someone says, this is what's happening, it's a while. And I love that if, so much. If I hadn't seen some of the, like, 2010, the thing, or whatever year, the the 
remake came out, if I hadn't seen some of that, and if I didn't already kind of know the story of what goes on, yeah, like if this was, if it was, that's what I'm saying. Like it's like taking it on the terms of its own story. Like that's the way the reveals are played out, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah, if it was 1982, I, mean, the, I wouldn't the, know what's going on. Alien until. also does this really well in ter- as a as a horror movie in terms of its reveals sequence, in terms of like when you know what, uh, because like they go down there, he gets smacked with a face hugger, they come back and he just appears to be fine. If you knew nothing about Alien at that point, you'd be like, all right, fine and dandy. Like that was weird, but. I mean that's and that's the way the story wants you to feel. Yeah. Um. And, Which, and you just brought up a good point. Alien versus the Thing. Who wins in that? I would love to <laughs> see that crossover because it tries to assimilate and then hits the acid blood. Who knows how that would go? Like. Yeah. Be, well, I mean the, cool. the assimilation scenes in this. Holy crap. Yeah. Some of those just are brutal. Disgusting. Yeah. Like the one with. I mean, there's the one dog that just has it, like, it's getting choked out, but the other one that's already but like kind when of, it, like, dissolving. like, it, opens up itself, and you see, like, what's going on in there, and you see, like, bar- you can you barely s- see well, the remnants of... And, I mean, that brings me to, like, what... The, what <laughs> the opening, the first thing you see is the dude that's been, like, chopped in two, and he's got, like, two heads, basically, and that's kind yeah. of, like, your first introduction to the grossness factor. But I think that kind of goes with what the main thing this is doing um, thematically in terms of, like... Really, it's it's kind of questioning, I mean, indirectly, but questioning what is like a soul, like because it's it's distinguishing the difference between the soul and the body, um, and, and how the body and soul are are typically one, but when they're separated and you've got just the body and the body is all that there is and it's indistinguishable from the regular body, but your soul's not there anymore, mm-hmm. um, like all that stuff is like is like great and the movie kind of like fleshes around that idea using its its premise, um, and so. It doesn't ever have to do any like philosophizing on this is what a soul is and this is how, and this is how what it means to us like it's it says all of that stuff through the way that the plot plays out um yeah. on, on top of that paranoia factor of like what it would be like to interact with somebody who's not themselves anymore so essentially just quick run through the plot and then we'll get into our stories here real fast um, yeah so they, they so there's a there's a there's an alien creature running around it can assume the shape of pretty much any living thing that it comes in contact with uh because of it how its cells work that they um consume and uh the host cell and then just completely replicate it and then it just keeps doing that over and over yeah and but i've also seen there's a great video that breaks down like what the thing is and like how it works and how it's able to like replicate memory and all this other stuff too yeah so i, I can't think of who it is Which but is it's just yeah somebody on youtube who who breaks down like movie diseases and he did the one he did one for the thing and it's a longer mini documentary and it's 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 yeah. really well done i just i can't think of who it is though i feel bad i should have looked that up yeah so they so they, they and then they're just hunting down this this alien creature and you don't try know to who's figure who out and who's who and then they do this the different tests and stuff like that um and actually in, in terms of the body horror body horror is is not often used in the way that it should be um which is sparingly i think mm-hmm. um but i think the way this movie uses body horror though relating to the point about the soul is that uh in terms of like desecrating human flesh it's like and I talked about this in, when we talk about Suicide Squad, but um, the human image it, it needs to be taken with care. Um, but once it's not human anymore, like they have, or they have the right to destroy it. Like once they know that the dude's not the dude and it's the thing, like you have to kill it. It's like this weird thing where it's like, yes, it's still a human face, but the human face must be 
yeah. burned alive. Like it's such a, but if it wasn't the thing, like you can't, you, it's, 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 uh, perverted. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I think, and again, that's just what's running through my head as this is, as this is playing out because like generally body horror is not something I think, um, that's treated with care. Um, yeah, and I the felt boys. that, but I did felt, feel that here. Like, no. like it's, it's just either gratuitous or, or it's, it's, um, careless, and and it and and they treat they yeah. treat human flesh as something to be grinded through, um, and while Cabin human flesh woods. is grinded through here, it's 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 uh, actually done so. First of all, sparingly, and second of all, with a purpose. Yeah. Um. So let's get into stores here, Gideon. Uh. And I like I said, I've never seen this before, so this one actually w- does have like a really pure first impression. I just saw this. Yeah. Uh, you know, earlier today I watched it before I came here and um. I think for first impression, I, I really liked this. I'm excited to see the the remake of it too. I think I'm going to give this a, and I, I, you know, I'm between a seven or an eight. I think I'm going to give it an eight. I like yeah. it a lot. It's one of now one of my favorite horror movies. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's horror slash sci-fi. I I'm going to give this a nine. Again, I, like I said, it's one of my favorite horror movies as well. Um, nowadays, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I'm if I'm taking horror movies from this time, I would still probably take The Shining over this, but I I do like this one a lot. Yeah, I mean they're close in my book. I think I might like this one more. I think the The Shining is more scary, though. I don't know. In that one, the hotel assimilates Jack. No. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. Uh, next category. Next then. category is story. The story was good. It wasn't super complicated. It didn't need to be. It was more yeah, about I mean, like good, it was a lot more of good of the, horror is going to be simple. Yeah. Um, because I think the more you complicate horror, the less scary it becomes in a lot of ways. Um, I'm trying to think of a horror movie that is more complicated. Um, in terms of of the plot and where that's actually been used to good effect, I can't really think of it. Um, like where you're actually kind of dealing with more complex ideas. Um, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari actually is <laughs> really complicated, especially considering the fact that it's a silent film um, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, the way that it goes through uh, reality and disreality, stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, the story here, again, the way that, the way that it progresses just in terms of, like, uh, you know, who knows what when, and you can kind of, like, go back and track, like, when you think w- which people are knowing what when. But, again... Be behind all of that, whether you logically can understand it or not, it's viscerally understood in terms of paranoia. Yeah. Um, and the progression of that. So I, I'm going to give this a nine. I think I'm going to get. Yeah, I I like the use of suspense. This movie does suspense really well, and yeah. because of the mystery of who is actually one of the or who's been assimilated and who hasn't, I, I like that a lot. I'm going to give it an eight. Um, yeah, I think overall it, it does a really good job. Yeah, I mean, and then the end plays into that as well in terms of like where the the suspense is almost like not paid off to a certain extent mm-hmm. but it's it's like it's it's a weird type of satisfying where it's like it's exactly it's it's satisfying in the sense that it's exactly what it needs to be um to cap off w- the journey you've been on this far I'm not going to spoil it but but it is it is not like traditionally satisfying in that in that everything is kind of like paid off necessarily yeah um acting acting was good i yeah. i again i, I I don't think anybody was super, you know, insanely great. Kurt Russell's fantastic. Um, yeah. 
Windows, Man, he's, Windows he's a, wasn't he's a too real bad. nuanced character. He brings a lot to that character because there's not there's not too many details you find out of, of him of, aside from what he does and how he does what he does. Like there's no yeah. there's no there's no backstory scene. I assume you find out why he's on the mission. Like what happened with his home life. I assume he was a Vietnam vet. And then he's there just as the helicopter pilot because that's yeah. what he's that's what he he probably was in the Air Force or something, was a pilot in Vietnam given the time of this movie. Yeah, and again, all of and that's implied. Just, yeah. If that's the case, it's but, the case. If it's not, you get like you still get that sense of of who he is as a person. Yeah. Uh, regardless of literally what happened or not. Like he I did, did, I did feel like it was kind of more of a generic Kurt Russell kind of character. Like he played a lot like he always does like the same kind of personality traits with all of his characters. I don't know. And- I feel like it's a little bit more nuanced in the sense that he's like he's more cool he, here. Like I feel like Kurt Russell just because can it's be negative gris- forty. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean like I feel like he can be grizzled and like more extroverted usually. Yeah. Here he's he's definitely grizzled and 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 uh less uh he's not super friendly but he 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 plays it cool a lot of the yeah, time like he you're right. he's like i loved how he's like super uh chill but he he goes about what he's doing very methodically yes um absolutely the fight the fact he's he feels like somewhat disillusioned with with life in general yeah i um I, you know i'm going to And again it, all I, of this none of this is is directly stated at all i'm just kind of like drawing drawing uh conclusions from what what's on the screen i got to like say the, the, the dog f- I feel dumb saying this, but the way that they use the dog oh. and the way the dog's like looking out the windows and checking the rooms yeah. and stuff, that Excellent. is probably the That's best. That's suspense use. In, a, in a nutshell right there. Just, yeah, like those opening 20 minutes with the use of the dog when it's yeah, again, before. Reveal of information. Oh my God, that was really good. That, honestly, I, I actually have to say, just from being able to do what they did with this right. dog. It's like, a, like is what I was saying awesome. before, like you know, so. like you don't if you didn't know what the thing was, yeah. like you still get a sense sums up with that dog. Yeah, like I, I don't know what it is, but sums up I'm and gonna, I don't like it. Yeah, I'm going to give it an 8. I was going to bring it down to a 7, but that the use of the dog and the skillful training and how they just knew what exactly what to do. I don't know if it was luck or if they really like did multiple takes or what, but they nailed it. And just every time that when the dog is walking around by itself and it literally checks two doors and then goes into the one door with the guy, when it checks those two doors, I was like, wow, like that is so good and well done. And that's a real dog that they're using. Like, yeah. I was I was blown away by that. But what about you, Fred? I'll give this an eight as well. Okay. Um, just saw it down the board. Kurt Russell's, uh, I think, the standout. Um, but I mean, even you got uh, Keith David as kind of the, 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 uh, I don't know, <laughs> the, the guy who's, uh, I think, probably the second most important character you could say, possibly. I, I got to ask, was the one dude who plays the president, Rick and Morty, in Yeah, this? that's Keith David. That is him? Okay. Because yeah. I was like, God, I no, know that yeah, voice. Was that yeah, the young? that's him. <laughs> yeah, that's him. Wow, he went from this to uh, Secret Agent Cody Banks, then to Rick and Morty. What a what a, what a career. What a career. What a guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, his voice is is great. I, I honestly, that was the only way I recognized him because I haven't seen him in a lot of live action things. But I was like, that sounds like the dude. I do. Yeah. All right. Uh, next category, Gideon. Look and feel. Um, and if it now's as good a time as any to talk about Ennio Morricone, because holy crap, him working with synths. Uh, like, come on, man! Like, his I mean, he's known for was he's known for this. for like good, the bad, and the ugly and stuff like that. But like jeepers. I, I actually really don't like the practical effects in this. They kind of looked bad to me. But hold nah, on. With nah, that, dude, but I the thought practical that, I thought effects that the are landscape, amazing. But what we were saying earlier, the matte paintings, the landscape use, the set design, all of that was really, really solid, and their use of practical effects was great, and I loved that, and 
I really could have uh, absolutely. I was like, where did they shoot this? Because I I knew it wasn't a hundred percent on a set. So I was like, they must have either gone to Canada or somewhere. But it really like I totally would have bought that that was Antarctica. Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. They did a great job with that. I just think, you know. They use stop motion at some point with some of the monster effects. Dude, and the I, monster I hate, effects I hate are 80s. incredible. I hate how it's, obvious it's 80s stop motion real. effects are. No. It's like it's all it's all very physical and gross. Yeah, um, some of it, like just, it's, like all of it. It's I mean, gross, especially the like the, I mean, the part when he puts the things down and the thing opens up and smashes his hands, and then when his head turns into like a spider thing, like that's inc- and you you you've got the like all of that's just incredible uh, stuff. That when it becomes a spider thing, there are some oh, motions man, of that it gets that gets under just, my skin. I mean, it's not. I, I mean, I don't think it's alien level. Uh, I feel like aliens. No, aliens. Alien is way better. Creature. Of I feel like they just get under my skin more. Um, I like, I mean, but I mean, here it's just a different type of thing. It's a different type of, of effect. So uh, what are I'm we scoring? Giving, I'm giving this a 10, 100%. Cinematography, I, effects, score. It's it is one of the best looking and feeling movies ever, really. I just, and, that, and I think the atmosphere is the is the number one thing about this, honestly, even more so than the story. I, I thought it was really solid outside of the monster effects. Some of it seemed a little corny to me. Some of it was good, but most of the time it wasn't to me. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't super into it. I'm sorry. I'll get, we could have a discussion about the monster effects in this for an hour. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to give it an eight. I'm pretty much eight across the board with this. Yeah. Experience. I'm going nine or 10. I'm I'm going seven with this. Oh, really? Yeah. I was eights for everything. Seven experience. I was like, all right, but I, I, I'll, I mean, I liked it, but it wasn't like the best. Yeah. I'm going to go nine, which gives us an. 84 out of 100, which... Ooh, it beat Dune by one. Which puts it, means it beats Dune by one. All right. Well, this has been Script to Screen here on 90.3 WRSC-FM Oshkosh. Thanks for tuning in.